Welcome to By the Glass, a podcast dedicated to boozy beverages and to the people who make and drink them. I'm your host, Chris Paldoyan. So I'm really excited to share this episode with y'all. This is the inaugural Christmas episode. Um, The holidays are one of the busiest times of the year for restaurants and bars, and this year, you know, with the coronavirus kind of grinching up the past nine months, it's hard to find the Christmas cheer. But for today's episode, I wanted to highlight different bars and spots in Houston that are either maintaining pre-pandemic traditions or pivoting into something new for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day operations. So we're going to hear from bar operators, sommeliers, chefs, and more on this episode. And we're going to go in chronological order. We're going to start at 7 a.m. on Christmas Eve and go until 2 a.m. on the 26th. So we're going to start with Michelle Wallace, who you might remember as the chef of Gatlin's Barbecue from episode 12. This year, she's offering brisket tacos starting at 7 a.m. on Christmas Eve and serving smoked meat treats till 4 in the afternoon. Here's Michelle. Michelle Wallace, how are you? I'm good, Chris. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's a beautiful day outside. It's like gorgeous. This is my kind of weather. I love this time of year. So yeah, yeah when my it's kind like fucking 65 degrees here Absolutely. and there's snow on the ground up north. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. My mom, my mom, my sisters call all the time, and I'm like, oh yeah, the sun's out. It's a little <laughs> bit warm. You know, it's close to 70, and they're like, yeah, shut up. Well, it is the 21st right now, yes. uh, which means we are quickly approaching. Christmas Eve. Yes. And you guys are open, right? We are open. Gatlin's Barbecue will be open from 7 a.m. until 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Okay, that's a pretty long day. That's a long day. So we're, we're looking to get feed you for breakfast and then uh, take home all your barbecue needs for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. What's a what's a breakfast staple at Gatlin's? Like, oh, what's something you that would gotta someone... have the brisket uh, breakfast taco. And okay. so that just comes with uh, a tortilla of your liking, corn and flour. You get brisket, comes with egg, and then you can kind of judge it how you like. Add cheese, pico de gallo. Yeah beans so you kind of make it your own all right do you find like last year you worked christmas eve last year right yes what was it like a really busy like lunch crowd or was it a lot of people taking stuff to go obviously this year to go is a big thing just because of like the novel coronavirus yeah oh (laughs) well yeah (laughs) well that too but uh but was it like super big on to goes last year? Like people just wanted to grab what they wanted and go back home to be um, with grandma and the kinder lock? Yeah, you can definitely see the difference from this year to years past. Um, but you can definitely tell there have been, there, normally we would have had large parties, these families that would come here and mm. now they're just taking it home. So you, we see, we see the difference in that. Yeah, for sure. So like, are you taking pre-orders for like Christmas Eve? Like- yeah. So you can place those orders on, uh, on our website at gatlinsbarbecue.com or you can give us a call. We'll take that order or you can simply come into the store and place that order. So we do take pre-orders up until, uh, we close on uh, Thanksgiving Eve. And do you notice like, I mean, Christmas Eve, sorry. Christmas Eve, whatever day, <laughs> uh, but but do you find that, like, at Christmas time specifically, there's a specific item that, like, sells more frequently than at another time of the year? In barbecue, no. Uh, this year we're doing something really amazing, um, our gumbo, which have sold very well over the years. Um, we decided to add it to our menu for Christmas, and that's blowing stuff out of the water. So people are, are loving their brisket. They're loving their ribs. Um, all of our, like they're loving the smoked chicken, like all of it is selling pretty well and people are requesting. I think it's just what they family likes. Is gum, I didn't grow up eating gumbo. Is gumbo something that is typically served around like the holidays or is it, Um, I think of it as a winter-ish 
Yeah, I think a lot of people feel because the weather is cold, it's a great time to have a a bowl of soup, a bowl of goulash, something that's warm and kind of hearty. I did not grow up eating gumbo as well, but uh, since being in Houston for as long as I have and learning kind of about the history of gumbo, people love it all year round, but definitely because it's cold, people want to have it more just because it's that that warm, soupy. And you guys only make it for the holidays or is it something that's on the menu all year? No, we're, for 2020, it has just now been a holiday item. Uh, okay. We would feature it throughout the year, um, but we wouldn't get much sales until the colder months. Yep. And so this year, we just decided to pull it out for Christmas. Um, we've had people requesting it, and so we thought it would be a good addition to uh, our Christmas features. What is the secret to the Gatlin's gumbo, the GG? <laughs> if I tell you, I'll have to get No. <laughs> no, you know, we do, um, we smoke off. You know how you'll get uh, crab in your uh, gumbo? So we yeah. actually smoke smoke off our crab and then we oh, add it to yeah. it so there's a little bit of difference there you'll get a little a touch of smoky note in within that gumbo um as well as our sausage we'll also uh, put it on the pit first and then we'll put it into the uh, gumbo so you get a slight smokiness from those aspects so i think that's mm-hmm. what makes it different hell yeah <laughs> and y'all have gotten some good press about that right yeah i think who what who was it? Uh, J.C. Reed, I believe, uh, wrote a little spot on our gumbo last year. And so it's been, every time we do it, we sell out of it, like every single time. And y'all are doing hams too, right? Yeah, uh, spiral hams are about seven to nine pounds, 60 bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. Um, we put a little glaze on it, put that thing on a pit. It's yeah. so good. And then any of the leftovers are phenomenal for breakfast, for uh, for lunch, ham sandwich, yeah. uh, ham and eggs. Really, really good. Green eggs and ham, baby. Green eggs and ham, yes. Were there any traditions from, like, your Christmases growing up that you've incorporated into the menu here? Um, A little bit. You know, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, but with Southern folks. So all kind of just soul food classics are kind of what I grew up eating. Yeah. Um, so we do collard greens and candy yams and mac and cheese. So all that's available here in the store that's yeah. to order for Christmas. But since, you know, I left home a little while ago, my palate has kind of grown and evolved. And although I still appreciate those things, I definitely eat something different. There is one little thing that we definitely eat in my family that we are not serving, but it's uh, chitlins. Chitlins. If you're familiar with that. Are you familiar? I'm vaguely familiar with the (laughs) chitlin. Yeah, you got to say it right. You could say chitterlings. Chitterlings? Yeah, that's the proper way to say it, but... And my, my family and my culture is chitlins. Chitlins. Got it. <laughs> but we don't serve it here at Gavin's Barbecue because... Do you know anyone in Houston that serves chitlins? Uh, there's a soulful restaurant over here that does. Yeah. Um, Do you, Esther's. Yeah. Is it the sort of thing, though, where, like, you can get it in a restaurant, but it's really one of those things that's just better at home, or... No, absolutely not. I've not seen chitlins at a restaurant ever outside of Esther's. A soulful really? Rest- outside of a soulful restaurant, no. Hmm. <laughs> no one's judging up chitlins. No one's judging up chitlins. It's such a controversial uh, delicacy. I love Th- it. Maybe, maybe this is for you. Maybe you can maybe. make a chitlin sandwich. Judge it up. That would be that would be the move. That maybe I have some ready to go for New Year's. So, so I know that y'all are open Christmas Eve until mm-hmm. three o'clock. Um, Gatlin's has always traditionally been closed on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any traditions for Christmas Day, like? Anything that you plan on doing, you know, you'll be working such a long day, probably waking up at 
God knows when, (laughs) three in the morning on Christmas Eve to prep everything. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah. Our day starts early. Uh, I'm usually here in the restaurant by 4.30 daily anyway. Christmas Eve, I'll probably be here by like 2.33 to kind of get everything. (laughs) And I probably won't sleep very much. So that means on Christmas Day, since being in this industry, which I love so much, generally those times that we actually get off, I love just being still, being quiet. I may start with a drink early in the morning. And drink to the end. I may read a book. I may, you know, yeah. watch some TV. To to be honest, it's really just about relaxing because yeah. those moments we get so you know, if you're in far in between, to just kind of just chill out, you know. So that is my plan to put just simply chill and drink all day and eat. <laughs> chill and drink. It's <laughs> the best way to some, celebrate. Yeah, hang out with some family. I, I may uh, visit my sister. Or, you know, hang out with. Does your friends. nephew still believe in Santa Claus? No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> spoiler alert for the listeners out there. <laughs> spoiler, watch out. No, no, he he's giving that up. He knows where all his stuff comes from, and he's very appreciative. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That's good. Anything else you want to let people know, either about <clears throat> holidays in the restaurant industry or Christmas at Gatlin's or. Uh, you know, I think people, as we die now, and I think especially in 2020, people have really grown uh, to be more aware of what the sacrifice people who work in the restaurant industry, how that sacrifice is and what they actually give up. Um, you know, it takes, it does take a special group to really kind of push out the volume of food that gets pushed out throughout the holidays and still serve it with a smile and, 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 and muscle through all the complaints and all that stuff. And so, you know, uh, you know, as much fun as we're having, you know, it is a lot of hard work. So, uh, you know, just make sure you say thank you and please. And thank you. That thank you goes a long, long way to be honest. <laughs> I agree. Simple manners. Simple manners. Like, it really just goes so far. And and every time I interact with a nice customer, which is more often than not, I'm just like, God, I just like nice people. It's like, just be nice. A novel concept. A novel concept that it, it's still, I still get blown away just by people just being simply nice yeah. and showing gratitude for just small things or being understanding. So, you know, that goes a long way. It's so hard. You never know. Somebody could have gotten to the restaurant at three in the morning and they're still there at eight at night and they're still trying to put smiles on your faces and serve amazing food, which is, you know, all still doable, but it's still exhausting. So, yeah. Michelle Wallace, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. I have appreciate you having Christmas. me. You too. Happy holidays. Yeah, I'll catch you around. See all right. All right, guys, we've made it from 7 in the morning on Christmas Eve all the way to 4 in the afternoon. We've had lunch. Now we're going to work our way into dinner service. And for that, we're going to talk to Marcus Gospel, who's the wine director at Brennan's in Houston. If you know Houston, you know Brennan's. It's an institution in the city. Their pralines are legendary. But what I think what Marcus does that's so cool is he kind of melds that Creole tradition of the restaurant with kind of like really badass wine. Like you can go there and get turtle soup and drink white Lopez de Heredia Tondonia, or you can drink fucking Donhoff if you want. He does an amazing job with the wine list. Marcus is going to talk to us about the Christmas Eve traditions that they have at their restaurant, not just for guests, but also for the staff. So we'll jump into that conversation. Here's Marcus. Well, dude, how have you been? I've been good. I've been really busy, man. Dude, I've I've been seeing it on the IG. You've been popping some wild and crazy bottles. Yeah, the uh, the last week we've really <clears throat> well. In general, I think when we reopened up, you know, there's been a lot of people who've kind of been 
inside not going out so there you know once one table or two tables a night there'll be someone that's looking to like celebrate and drink something fun you know so but since we've hit christmas that has really kind of taken off and we've definitely seen some cool stuff go out especially in the last kind of 15 days so is that typical for the holiday season like typically around the holidays do you see that like push for like big burgundy roan yeah all that stuff yeah 100 percent. like well what happens is a lot of that is actually at lunch Hmm. because we you know classically have been kind of that you know friday go to lunch and you know drink some wine and and go home you know er, early for the week so because we've always been that restaurant you know if someone's booking like a small little private you know party for a few of few of the workers i mean i mean you know, for example, there was a there was a party. I mean, it was like six people, kind of spaced out in the wine room. And they went through like Hermitage and Burgundy and eighty five Dows. I mean, it was pretty. You know, they were they were it was a party. They were celebrating. You know, so well, what are you guys doing cool. for? You guys are open Christmas Eve, right? We are open. Uh, we we are open Christmas Eve. Yes, and we have classically been open Christmas Eve. Um, historically, we're closed Christmas, but open Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve for us and. And it's kind of weird because I always ask like different people, uh, what is Christmas Eve like for you? And I never really worked at a restaurant, even if we were open on Christmas Eve, that did the kind of service that Brennan's does. And Christmas Eve is our, our top four days of the year. So it's a it's a big kind of marathon. How many covers are we talking about um, normally? <clears throat> well, usually we could easily do 900 would not be out of the out of the ordinary somewhere around a thousand give or take but this year we'll probably be cut in half maybe a little bit more because of social distancing and the way we have tables and whatever and you know i mean like yeah. alex brennan and, and the management staff is pretty vested in like the cd the cdc and and their guidelines and things and i know everybody is but but we just really want to be as safe as we can you all you guys also have like the luxury of like space where it's a really beautiful restaurant with lots of different dining rooms across two different floors yeah you know for people that don't know kind of the cuisine at brennan's you know there's some really classic you know new orleans creole style dishes right i mean you're doing like bananas foster table side you're doing dover sole you're doing like gumbo turtle soup all the all the good things is there a christmas eve tradition of any particular thing well the christmas eve tradition at brennan's is that um it's kind of it's it's funny it's staff meal that's our tradition yeah and so the kitchen so this is this is true for thanksgiving as well so in thanksgiving we basically eat a thanksgiving meal at 9 a.m with the entire staff and the kitchen serves everybody, and it's a big line. It's it's wake up early, have some coffee, eat a Thanksgiving meal, and hopefully you you know you're ready to go for that big long yeah. day. And so Christmas is kind of the same thing. We kind of have Christmas meal, um, and they'll do like either fillet or something like that for us, uh, kind of uh, earlier in the day, just to kind of give us some fuel. And and, yeah. and it's everybody. It's managers and cooks, and I mean you name it. It's like and, and that's how we all we always are. Like every, you know we all eat kind of together in some some way or form and so that's kind of the uh uh the tradition as far as working it at at brennan's and then right after that it's just gets pedaled to the metal you know so yeah well what are you going to be popping on christmas day what are you going to do 
so the big holidays, uh, like Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas, uh, New Year's is kind of its own animal. But uh, so what we do is, is since we're dealing with a large number of people, and there's, especially this year, there's only X amount of wine people on the floor. So it'll just be, it'll just be two people. We have a, uh, so on the menu, we'll feature five, like very classic domestic wines, usually uh, that people are very familiar with and kind of have been classic at Brennan's, you know, something like Schramsberg, uh, Blanc de Blanc. And then we'll do like, you know, a feature Cabernet, like I was working with the guys at Barnett and Ellers the past few years to kind of feature some stuff. So we'll feature some big, some big kind of classic stuff. And then per COVID-19, we have a featured wine list. And so we have about 200 wines, basically a page of whites and a page of reds, maybe about hundred, actually about 150. Um, and on that, that's really been kind of our bread and butter and the, the wines we cycle in and yeah. out of that. And it's just things that one work and are kind of um, highlighted wines mm-hmm. and uh, two you know, just, just things that, Hey, you know, this really great bottle of $75, um, you know, whatever Pinot it definitely works really well, you know, kind of streamline so, things. Yeah. So, awesome. but, but it's been fun for us because usually we have this big old, usually we have this big old wine list. So it's been kind of fun to focus, sell wines kind of without trying and in you know having a smaller wine list and being able to work with fun little wines and and sell wines from some more to people that maybe you're not having an in-depth conversation with and they're like man this arno Lombard was delicious you know where can i where can i pick up a bottle you know so yeah it's been it's been kind of fun in, in, yeah. in that respect so awesome anything else you want to let people know about christmas eve at brennan's or about christmas eve dining out or um, whatever you want yeah, I well, well, um, I'll say Christmas Eve dining out, and I know everyone's kind of saying this, but you know the um, this season for restaurants is is you know please please support your local restaurants, and uh, and tip your server man because it is you know it's like it, it's kind of like Frodo going to Mordor for all the restaurant owners right now where you yeah. know, everyone's everyone's really just like let's keep going like let's do this you know and, and you don't have Samwise Gamgee carrying you on his back a hundred percent man yeah. and like you know even, even my, you know my, me and my manager are kind of running with the skeleton crew we kind of go through like oh man you know I really need to take five minutes and uh and uh you know yeah. Go, go outside and, and, and drink a glass of water and kind of kind of chill yeah. out. So um, we're excited to be do be open and being open kind of makes us feel better. Like I know when we reopened from COVID, I was just like, oh, man, I feel so much better. Like being able to do service. This is like what Sense I do of normal who I am, you know, absolutely. But but it's a really crazy time for uh, restaurants in general. So just to people in general, just kind of keep in mind that that everyone's kind of going through a pretty interesting time and, and the restaurant industry has been hit really hard, you know. Uh, but, you know, I'll say that we're very lucky and, you know, not, you know, 99.9% of our guests have, have been nothing but just like purely amazing and supportive and, and, and loving. And, and it really kind of, it really makes you feel great about the human spirit when people really want to support you and, and help you out. So. Hell yeah. Cool, dude. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good shift tonight. All right. Crush some bottles. All right, man. I will. I'm I'm gearing up right now. Pre-shifts in three. So (laughs) here we go. I love it. Cool.
All right, guys, we've worked our way through Christmas Eve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now it's time to get that nog. You know what I'm talking about? We're going to a bar. We're getting cocktails. We're going to hit up Anvil. Now, if you've been to Anvil the day after Thanksgiving, you know that they have the best Christmas decorations of any bar in the city. I mean, Anvil drinks are great any time of the year, but when you have that holiday cheer and you see that they've got stockings up for all of the bartenders and you have one of their Irish coffees, you're it you're just in a good place. Um, so I wanted to touch base with Tommy Ho, who is the general manager of Anvil. Uh, Tommy's worked there for about as long as I've been going to Anvil, which is since 2013. And it's truly like one of my favorite bars in the city. So I kind of want to just talk to him about like what it's like kind of instilling that holiday cheer in that bar. So here's Tommy. So I, I just think that like you guys always have like the best Christmas decorations of like every fucking bar in the city. And I, I feel like it's Christmas. such a thing every year when they get put up. Um, yeah. And Anvil's just one of those bars that's like a constant. Like, you know, you can go there for the holidays. You know, it's going to be open. You know that they're going to be open for every major occasion. Aside from yeah. like the Super Bowl, right? right. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. Has Anvil always put up Christmas decorations, or is this a relatively recent phenomenon? Uh, it wasn't recent. It hasn't always been put on, and um, I, I'm not one to take credit for anything or anything like that. But uh, I, it took me a couple of years to convince Bobby to let me put Christmas decorations up. Um, I've always I love Christmas, like, like a lot um, like <laughs> just from lot. like being a kid like like you just have very fond memories of like christmas or like what what reason did you have to want to like bring that cheer into the bar space oh um, yeah i mean honestly and, and you kind of know like and i'm sure tyler's told you that my family is ginormous <laughs> um uh, i'm uh you know and having you know that was i was always around you know cousins and, and family members and i have first cousins that are all born the same year I am like and that's just a small snippet of our huge family and so you know as growing up as you know a kid especially like first generation born here my parents came over here during the war first generation like your parents always hung out you know what I mean and so like our kids we just always hung out too and Christmas was always like the big one that everybody came to and so like you know we go to you know the grandparents house it's like a movie almost and everybody would bring food more home alone or more christmas story like like not either even like more diehard like more diehard okay (laughs) but it was just like like exactly what you think like a huge family christmas party would be like you know all the moms cooking and like feeding the kids and the dads like outside like doing playing poker and smoking and drinking beer and like thousands of kids running around, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, I just always loved it. And I've always, I've always been so fond of it. And if you ask anybody who knows me, they love, I have, they know I have this weird thing for Christmas. (laughs) It's like, it's really weird. Right. Um, Did you believe in Santa Claus till you were like 15? No, I didn't, which was kind of funny because I didn't believe in anything like that. I just really, enjoyed like the nostalgia of it and yeah. um, you know and, and that feeling and stuff so even like as a joke going on that like uh i've had uh, my christmas tree up for four years running now oh really um, half because i love christmas half because i'm too lazy to take it down <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so I just left it on. But um, yeah, man, it's just like I've just always loved it, and like Anvil always has that kind of like classic feel, you know. And I love the classic Christmas thing. Like I lo- like I'm all about like you do your thing and stuff, but I love like the classy like yellow lights and the red and green, like just super like classical, you know. And I was just you know every year I just kind of poke at it and you know be like hey Bobby let me decorate let me decorate and finally one year he was like all right you can decorate like here's your budget like make sure it looks good and and, and I did and the first year I remember the first year did it I put, me and the staff put it up uh, me and I can't remember who planned it with me but I took like eight trips to like different stores so like I bought out like <laughs> stores like fucking garlands and stuff um i went to i remember i remember it was i can't remember what store but um i went in and i got two flatbeds and i filled them up and i had my tape measure with me and i like like my notebook and stuff and this people would come up to me and they would ask me questions because they thought i worked there <laughs> that's wild you got yeah. like a pencil tucked behind your ear yeah, no, like, you're like the works yeah Man, it, was, it was good um I decorated, man, and, like, the staff got into it, and um, we just had a good time, and, and it took us, the first time, it took us a few days just because, like, we'd never done it before, and I was still trying to work out the kinks of, like, man, I need extension cords, and where do I plug this in, and dimmers, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, you know, we got it down, and when we did it, we finally got it done. Like, everybody kind of took a step back and was like, man, this is great. And so, like, it, it, it created a... A really unique vibe for the bar, you know what I mean. People, people loved it. People enjoyed it, and so it just became a thing every year. That hey, you got to put. Even like this year, whenever like we were getting our asses in, because it's opening the bar left and right, and like with COVID and stuff. But the staff was like, "Hey, we're going to put up Christmas decorations." And so this has definitely become a, a tradition, and, and it's I'm, something I'm super proud of, honestly. Do you guys do any special drinks for uh, Christmas? Um, pe- normally, pe- yeah. Um, this year is a little different for us, obviously, because of COVID. But honestly, we just haven't had the time to kind of sit down and do it. We're kind of getting the new systems in place, obviously, because, you know, it's not normal. But yeah, normally we do. It's honestly, it's Anvil generally when we do menus, it's pretty objective. Um, it's like very like, this is how it needs to be done. And, and, and part of the training is like, this is how we write menus. And we even go into like, you know like profit margins and, and costing out stuff and the flow of the menu and even how it reads and stuff. And all the bartenders know that and they know, and it's a group effort and stuff. Um, and I always like to preach that the Christmas menu is like the kind of fun one that where we kind of relax a little bit, don't really think about those things. And they kind of like get to play a little bit and not worry about like balance. And, you know, we have to use this spirit for this slot and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, I just want to do this weird thing. That I don't want to do all right, let's do it. So, you know, that's when all the fun stuff comes out. Like, I want to do a blended mint chocolate chip Amaro thing with, you know, or something like that. A Christmas so like, grasshopper or something. Yeah, and that's totally cool because, like, that's it runs for, for a month. Everybody's cool. They know that, like, this is the fun menu, and you kind of get to play around with it, and the staff really has fun with it. Do you fuck with eggnog? Oh, yeah, for sure. I love eggnog. What um, makes a good eggnog? Ugh. <sighs> Honestly, like, it's it's really, like, you would think that this is the first thing you think, but, like, the eggs. <laughs> you got to have good the, eggs. The good eggs, man. Like, it's like, farm eggs and, like, good, really fatty cream. 
And like balance, I think is a huge one too. I think a lot of people um, kind of over booze their eggnog, um, and it comes across a little too strong. But I think a balance there and just fresh ingredients, like fresh nutmeg, it's super easy. But like it just makes it that much better. But I mean, everybody has their own thing that they love, and some people want to use different ingredients, use different spirit bases, and some people want to use multiple spirit bases. But uh, we actually run with the one uh, Alex uh, Negranza made to this day because people love it. It's cognac, rum, um, and sherry, so that's a really cool one. Hell yeah. yeah is it like Pedro great. Jimenez sherry? Like, or... uh, it's Apollo Cortado. Apollo Cortado, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's so a... he... not fucking around. Yeah, man. You get, you get all that nuttiness, and it actually dries out the eggnog too, which is great because eggnog can sometimes be pretty sweet, so the yeah. balance is really cool there. Super cool. Well, yeah. you guys are open Christmas Eve. What are the hours? Uh, normal hours, uh, four to two. Um, it's pretty rare that our hours change. Um, I think the only day that it does is, is Thanksgiving. We open later that day normally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, four to two, close Christmas, and then open back the next day like normal. Anything you do right at midnight when Christmas Eve turns into Christmas Day? Uh, no, usually, usually everybody church bells ringing or something like that. Uh, we'll we'll blast Christmas music for sure, like one hundred percent. Yeah, which is pretty. Uh, not normal for us to change the music, <laughs> but that day we'll we'll play Christmas music for sure. There we go. Well, <laughs> well, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to let people know? Either like something you want to promote at Anvil, like I don't know if you guys are doing on Christmas Eve, selling any like to go cocktails or. Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, if you don't mind, like I'm, we're always down to do to go stuff. Like our eggnog, for instance, is something we do to go. Um, it's great. It sits in your fridge, and you can take that with you. Um, also, you know, we have swag. There's T-shirts and and hats um, that you can buy that we can also ship for you. Um, and you can do that online with us. Um, and that's always cool. It's a good gift idea. Um, and then also like all of our, most of our cocktails are actually about half of our cocktails are stirred cocktails with no stitches. And a lot of people actually just buy those and gift them to people. And they, they stand, you know, they can stay on the shelf for a pretty long time. And so giving that to somebody, having them drink it, you know, a month or two later is totally the okay. The gift that keeps on giving, baby. Yeah. It's, it's great. I had a I had a guy come in and order like three cases of old fashions, and it, it kind of threw my inventory off a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> That's wild. Three cases, yeah, like thirty six bottles. Thirty six bottles, and I was like, "Hey, what are you throwing a party?" He goes, "No, I just don't feel like shopping this year. I'm just going to give everybody a bottle of old fashioned." I was like, "That's cool, man. <laughs> that works." That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's sick. Well, what are you going to do Christmas Day since you're going to be working till two a.m. Really, you'll be working past 2 a.m. because you got to close the bar out. But what's your yeah, Christmas I'll, day look like? Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't closed the bar in a long time. The, the, the staff does that, so so they're, they're great, and I lean on them a lot. Um, honestly, I think Christmas Day, I'll probably, you know what? I'll probably unpack because I just moved. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat, um, and hopefully I'll see you on Christmas Eve. Yeah, man. I'll see you, man. Thanks, bud. Awesome. So if you dig deep, deep, deep into Instagram, you can find a hashtag that's Tommy Ho Ho Ho. Truly a testament to how hospitable and just like full of holiday cheer Tommy is. Um, he also makes amazing cocktails. Added bonus. So my first Christmas in Houston, I was all by myself. I just worked a bruiser Christmas Eve shift at Houston's restaurant. And the next day I slept in, ate like three pounds of smoked salmon, 
and uh, watched the movie Wolf of Wall Street. It was pretty dismal. Um, but a, a couple of years later, I had the chance to spend Christmas with uh, kind of like my adopted Houston hospitality family. And the guy that hosted me is our next guest, David Buer. You might know David from his coffee shops that he runs, Blacksmith Inversion. He's been referenced numerous times on this podcast before, first by Matthew Tabor in episode three, and then by Chris Wynn. David's an amazing dude, and he's doing some badass stuff Christmas Day. So if you wake up on Christmas morning and you find yourself craving espressos and truffles, he's your guy. Here he is. You look good, man. I haven't seen you in a while other than on... (laughs) the social yeah. media is but you look good thank you i have i have a lot more gray hair <laughs> no shortage of stress i'm sure these days but it's okay i'm embracing it you know yeah if, if george clooney can look that good with gray hair and cutting his hair on a floby you know i was surprised i got my issue of gq in the mail and he's like man of the year like good for him. <laughs> he's crushing it what else is going on dude like anything else exciting other than planning this big old christmas um as of this recording, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is going to come out this week, there's action from our government. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, six months, probably too late or whatever. But uh, that's exciting. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know sure. that. Yeah, that like two warring sides can get together to do what's right for the people that pay their bills. Hell yeah! You know, it's ta- taxpayer money, and uh, we should be using it for the common good of the most people possible. 100% in agreement with you on that. So how did you come up with the idea in the first place to do white truffle biscuits? How did that come together? Uh, The idea for the white truffle biscuit was actually inspired by um, our Slack. Like we have a team Slack for Blacksmith and the other shops. And we were talking about uh, what to do for Christmas Day this year. Uh, the first thing we do is like basically the order of appearance of how this happens is we post a message. I say we, Antoine does, mm-hmm. who, who's he's the reigning champion over there. And um, so Antoine wrote like, hey, does anyone want to work Christmas? Do we want to open Christmas? What do we want to do? That's the first quest. That's the first kind of like genesis of every year. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And three people opted in really quick. And then we looked at the his- history of like our sales on Christmas Day, which we don't really care about the sales per se, but we look at the tip in particular too, because like that's kind of the idea is that like, I don't celebrate Christmas uh, maybe, or like it's not a day that like, or maybe I'm from out of town and like I don't have any family here. So I didn't have anything planned anyway. Like whatever the reasoning is behind wanting, wanting to opt in to work that day. Um, we always look historically at like what worked and what didn't. And two years ago we had the kitchen open and the tips were just like significantly higher. Hmm. And then last year we just had the, um, front of house open, like coffee and tea and stuff like that. And the tips were just significantly lower. Yeah. So I was like, well, this kind of created this like constraint for me, which is our kitchen staff didn't really, they opted out of working. Uh, on on Christmas Day, so I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll get in the kitchen. Um, but when you put David in the kitchen, like the menu goes like this. <laughs> you yeah. know, the menu gets really small, and I was like, well, if I'm going to be doing something in the kitchen, the goal of the project should be to just like ramp up the tips. Like mm-hmm. that that is the goal of why we are doing this. Mm-hmm. So um, I, you know, my my buddy is the culinary director for Shake Shack. His name's Mark Rosati. I've worked with them for donuts and brownies for Shake Shack here locally. 
and they're just super cool people. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking to him in the last few weeks about what they're doing. They're doing a black truffle burger. And I really wanted to eat it, but it's only available in like LA and New York. God damn it. And uh, they're, getting the, they're getting the truffles from Regalis Foods, mm-hmm. which is like a, they do like super luxe, super rare, strange items. Chris, are you familiar with I'm them? I'm not. No, I don't. Yeah. It's, so, so they're getting them through Regalis. And uh, so I just reached out to Chris Shepard, my business partner. Uh, at Blacksmith. I was like, hey, um, harebrained idea. I know you have a relationship with Regalis Foods. So what if we, um, what if I got, what if I reached out to Regalis to do like some kind of rare truffle for Christmas? And he was like, yeah, here's the number, you know, like, and then he sent me to Tallahassee who works with us also at Georgia James. And Tallahassee was like, no problem. Got you. You know, this was a couple weeks ago. Hell yeah. And then I was looking at the truffles and, you know, Shake Shack is using a black truffle and uh, which is cool. You know, they're like what you see at all the super fine dining restaurants and all that stuff is like black truffles. And to give you an idea, wholesale, they're about $500, $500 a pound. And then my friend locally was telling me that he loved black truffles until he had a white truffle. Uh, which is like super rare yeah, and, and like way, way, way more expensive. So I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? If the goal here is to just ramp up the tip as much as humanly possible, like let's ramp up the truffles. Yeah, let's dial <laughs> you know? it to 11, baby. Let's do it. Yeah. So um, I they're actually incredibly hard to get. And it was a semi-negotiation process for us in Tallahassee. And um, we ended up getting them at... $1,850 a pound. Holy shit. And this was two weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I I just posted about it. You know, I like made the little flyer that you saw. Mm-hmm. And then about another buddy of mine, Michael O'Connor from Vic and Anthony's, he's the executive chef there. He messaged me and he was like, hey, did you already order those? Because I just put, I just tried to put an order in for white truffles for Vic and Anthony's, and they were four thousand dollars a pound. Wow, price going up. Yeah, in, in between the last two weeks, I guess like a lot of people maybe had this similar idea that what I was going for, and I, I, apparently they became much harder to get. It's like the inflation rate for white truffles. It's like Bitcoin or something. It's just <laughs> blowing up. That's crazy. So uh, I, I, that, that's my one sales pitch for this whole interview is that like I got them at eighteen fifty a pound. And we're going to sell them at cost. And like now they're worth $4,000 a pound. <laughs> so, Wild. you know, if there was ever a deal for a white truffle, <laughs> it's these seven biscuits I'm making and the 14 sides. So, and for people that don't know, the biscuits at Blacksmith are kind of legendary. It's it's served with, you know, a lot of the different breakfast items. A friend of the pod, a former guest, Aaron Smith, was hyping up the biscuits as well as like the BLT sandwich. She thinks it's got one of the best food menus of any coffee shop in the country, hands down. But yeah, I agree. And obviously, you know, we're kind of gilding the lily by putting truffles in there, but the biscuit itself, even without truffles, pretty tasty. Yeah, you know, I, I was gonna say, so one, thank you, Aaron, for helping me develop the biscuit many moons ago. It was about 10 years ago, actually, when we, uh, or it was, nine years ago when we approached Erin to help us with Blacksmith and she helped develop and pioneer the, the menu there. And I'm glad she's still proud of it because I am. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of help. The biscuits in particular were like a combo collab with um, Karen Mann and Erin. Karen had worked at uh, Bouchon in California and then like we were friends and, and then Erin had worked in New York at Per Se. So mm-hmm. like it was like this weird yeah. confluence into Blacksmith of like, 
this biscuit's going to be good, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you had the bread boss, Karen, in there. Magic was going to happen for sure. On Christmas Day, you're also serving a, a sandwich, right? Uh, well, yeah. So the it's a biscuit sandwich. And, you know, I, I had already kind of planned to do the biscuit sandwich. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was inspired by Mark. And then our other friends in Japan, Wagyu Mafia, they do like a tenderloin sandwich, Sando. So I had kind of like learned the process of making a Sando. I'm not doing it the same way as they do. But like, that's where the inspiration was from was to do on the tenderloin is like, it's tender enough where it works really well in a crumbly biscuit. Mm -hmm. And then it's also mild enough, like you get a savory flavor, but it's, it's not overpowered. You know, like I think a ribeye or even a strip, there's a lot of good meaty flavor there. And, you know, I'm down for that. But for this particular application, the tenderloin made the most sense. Hell yeah. Christmas is like one of those holidays that, you know, restaurant people are always working or Christmas Eve. And I know you talked about at Blacksmith, it's a decision that's made every year just based on the staff. But working holidays, I mean, you've been in the industry for a long time. And I know that in the past, you've been like really generous. I remember one of my first Christmases in Houston was spent at your house. You just hosted like a bunch of people for like a big old like friends Christmas, you know? Yeah, there's no good kind of like a name for like Friendsgiving, but for Christmas, but that's basically what it was just get a bunch of people together in your house. And it was super cool to see all these people from different parts of the industry just coming together for good food and good drink. But like for you, what does Christmas mean? Um, That's a really tough question for me. You know, I think it because because there's like so much history of like how weird um, Christmas is as far as like you know, retail sales and like the history of how that happened. And like Santa was designed by Coca-Cola, you know, as an example of this, like the idea of Santa being in a red uniform with like a big white beard, a husky guy, Coke designed that. That's, (laughs) you know, so every time you see that, that you can thank Coca-Cola marketing department in like the 1930s. And like, you know, that's kind of just opposite of how I live life. And I I try to be a person of the world. And like, you know, I I recognize that there are many holidays, Christmas being one of them. And and I just want to treat them all the same. And the hardest thing is, is like, we can't just close every single holiday. You know, I mean, if you think about it, like if if we just like observe everybody's holiday, there would be no days that we would be open. <laughs> so I kind of take the opposite approach in like respecting people who really revere the, those holiday seasons for themselves. Uh, but also like I would let, you know, if, if I would also like to opt in when people like don't want to celebrate those holidays. So it's it's a little combo of both for people who I mean, Houston in particular is a city of confluence. It's like the conflux of everyone coming from every part of the world. We are the melting pot. We are the city of the future. And, uh, you know, I, I love that. I'm a Houstonian. And like, that's what Thanksgiving and holidays mean to me is inviting everyone who's not from Houston to feel more like Houston. You know, that's what it's about. And I hope that I hope that was for you too. It was. <laughs> I, it, it truly felt like a family gathering in the best sense of the word. Just all of us hanging out. Some people in one room playing Jenga. People in another room, like preparing, like the I can't remember what you were cooking. I think it was like Korean barbecue style grilled yeah. meat. It was so good. But yeah, it was great. I looked. It, it was super fun. Definitely one of my favorite Christmases. So I, I miss that about what's happening right now. You know, is just like getting a bunch of friends together and like not having an agenda, yeah. just cooking food and hanging out and having a good time and togetherness, you know, and that's what I'm looking most forward to, 
you know, in 2022 or whatever, <laughs> whatever, oh, whenever that, and whenever that actually comes back. Oh man. So brutal. Awesome. Well, David, thank yeah. you so much. Anything else you want to let people know before I let you go? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's at cost. Uh, I'm cooking, so be patient with me. There's seven biscuits and 14 sides. We're doing 30 grams of white alba truffle on the biscuit and 15 grams on the sides. So that's where the price is. It's just, that's how much they cost. So that's how much the price is. Um, and, uh, yeah, come say hi. It's BYOB. So, you know, I mean, it's just my patio <laughs> and it's just, to go. if you want to take it to go, take it to go. I don't, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're welcome to sit on the patio. You're welcome to bring champagne or like, you know, a nice wine or whatever, or beer, or do whatever you want. You know, I'll make you some coffee too. Why not? Hell yeah. Champagne, coffee, and white truffles. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Cool, dude. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to see you. So Christmas morning, swing by Blacksmith and get a uh, white truffle biscuit uh, or a tenderloin sandwich. And if you're looking for a last minute Christmas gift, consider getting a bag of their uh, coffee beans. David's a co-founder of Greenway Roasting Company. That's who provides all the beans to all of the shops, and it makes a great gift. Uh, so consider doing that. But let's get into our last conversation, which is with DJ Sun, who runs The Flat. The Flat is like probably one of the vibiest bars in the city, which I think is like the best compliment you can give a place. Amazing music, uh, amazing patio, and they have a really unique party that they host every Christmas day. And it has nothing to do with Christmas. It has all to do with James Brown. To walk me through the meaning of the party, I met up with DJ Sun on the patio at the flat. Uh, and the conversation started with us just talking about him taking over the bar in the first place. Here we go. So like when you took it over, were there any like big things that you wanted to change in the bar in terms of like the music or the vibe? Like, or was it really just like maintain the course? Like everything's good? No, it was an, it was a, it was an overhaul. There, there was... There was an overhaul necessary of culture, bar culture in general, like the way things were done. Uh, I, I wanted to change a little bit. I do have an accounting background. So oh, really? Yeah. So I didn't know that. That's a It's a state secret. We, we don't talk about it. Um, we can talk about it off pod. <laughs> uh, all, the, all, all who is listening will be... Uh, the millions of listeners, the millions <laughs> of BTG stands out there. <laughs> They would be sworn to secrecy. Um, no, but, but you know, with with the business background, I was able yeah. to kind of do an audit, so to speak, just, mm -hmm. just an informal audit about what needed to change. I implemented a mission statement, mm -hmm. a statement of identification, just so that we all were uniform. I, I think the flat pre me taking over was pre sun. Uh, Sun, ooh, there you go. And then the sunrise came. <laughs> the sun rose. Um, so pre-sunrise, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a culmination of various nights that belonged to individual bartenders, hmm. and and I think that's the previous owner that that's kind of how he wanted to run things, um, and and that's fine. It, it's a benefit to what he was doing, but it, it wasn't going to benefit our business model. And so we needed to bring more uniformity to it. And with that, you create a culture, a uniform culture. You, you know, implement a mission statement that's more in line with exactly what we wanted for each and every day. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, and it's, been, uh, it's been a fun ride since. So when did the uh, Christmas Day tradition of James Brown start? Wow, so that goes back to, I forget the year that he passed away. 
But the year he passed away, of course, was on Christmas Day. And that's why we do it on Christmas Day, mm. right? And so um, the following Saturday, I had my radio show. I did a radio show for 20 years on KPFT 90.1 uh, here in Houston. And Shout out KPFT. Hey. <laughs> there we go, baby. Um, and so for that Saturday, I put together a set, a James Brown, all James Brown set uh, as a tribute. And... And when I recorded that and actually uh, put it up for download, I, over over the years I had over ten thousand downloads on that. It's wild. Um, it was it was amazing. But that built just the whole concept of let's do a tribute to James Brown and um, Brett Koshkin, uh, who is a vinyl collector, um, a vinyl historian, I would say, uh, studies a lot of funk, a lot of soul, a lot of southern soul. He was a writer for the Houston Press as well. Um, and I think he still lives in, in Houston. He started doing these tributes at Boondocks, I believe was the first one, and invited me for the first one and then the ones thereafter. Um, and then when I took over the flat, so that would have been 2014, we decided, you know what? It, it's It's been nice at Boondocks, but let's get Brett Koshkin's uh, blessing to do it at the flat and then since then we've done it at the flat every year so you know James Brown was someone who I kind of like learned about from like a historical standpoint yes but like do you feel like any specific tie to him like from a music perspective definitely. like what's the so like what's the appeal to you of yeah, James Brown definitely um, I'm not gonna age myself here uh, however uh, when I was 10 or so mm-hmm. there was a song that came out um, that basically took the riff from Fame by David Bowie, and it was called Hot, I Need to Be Loved. And that was one of my favorite songs uh, as, as a teen or preteen. Um, so I was really into James Brown. I was living in Suriname, actually, and we, you know, we were buying James Brown records. Um, and, and that was kind of a 70s um, no, I did date myself. Hello. We can bleep that yeah. out. It'll be an ambiguous decade. <laughs> or we tell everyone to forget their math for a minute, mm. along with the sworn secrecy, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, so so that was kind of post the funky James Brown, right, that we all know. Um, so my introduction was more of that era of, of – it was still funky, but it wasn't – it wasn't the the initial stuff that that he's very very well known for, um, so that was my introduction to, to to James Brown. And then, as they were playing the record on on the radio in Suriname, they were also getting these uh, documentaries from the U.S. Right? These various documentaries would run on the radio um, that would showcase an artist or showcase an album. I remember they did Stevie Wonder's. Uh, songs in the key of life um, and and they had a long running like they put it on repeat you know played maybe once a month or so they had a long running uh, show about James Brown and that was a great introduction to all the really stuff the, the stuff that preceded the 1976 record that I knew mm-hmm. it may have been 77 78 um, and so that's that was my connection to James Brown and then fast forward to to when I come to the US um, 
I, I am still a teen and I witnessed going into my 20s maybe the the kind of the heyday of old school hip hop when um, you know these uh, these producers were using James Brown samples a lot like James, James Brown has been the most sampled I would almost imagine uh, artist and, and so he's the source he's the blueprint yeah, for everything yeah right? especially like the, and it's Clyde Stubblefield on drums right who did the funky drummer um, I mean that's the that's a lot of the appeal and then of course the, the bass lines and just the funk of it uh, that appealed I think to New York producers in, in producing mm-hmm. that old school hip hop mm-hmm. um, so so when you go through that as a teen like you're discovering James Brown then you discover him through documentaries and then there's like a like a full circle that that returns when you're getting into hip hop, old school hip hop, and you're like, whoa, they just sampled that James Brown song, you know? Yeah, um, it, yeah it it just um, to do a tribute then with all those ingredients and all that history is a slam dunk. Why don't Why don't you walk me through the logistics of Christmas Day? how the James Brown set normally plays out. Like, do you guys make any special drinks for that? Is there any, like, Christmas vibe to it? Or is it purely meant to be, like, a tribute to James Brown? And is it a recontextualization of his songs? Like, or are they, like, original hits on, you know, like, vintage vinyl? Like, what's the vibe? Yeah, so uh, over over time, over the times that I've done the tribute, I've done it mostly on vinyl. There, there may have been a couple of years where I've allowed DJs to come in and do um, digital files because they were playing Serato, which is the digital format of DJing. Um, and but but I've I've taken it back to the vi- the source of vinyl. So I've invited uh, DJ Big Reeks, for instance. He's with the Waxaholics. He's known for doing vinyl sets. Um, I have only done vinyl. Um, I have not gone to any sort of. Even when guys were doing digital sets, I stuck to uh, to the vinyl part of it. And so it is completely dedicated to James Brown and its derivatives. You go yeah. into the derivative, what I call derivatives, which you know are making reference to like samples, mm-hmm. uh, mostly samples, right? That mostly songs that have sampled. James Brown. So, so you've got the original and then you've got the song that sampled James Brown. It's like a Russian nesting doll of yes. James Brown songs, right? Yeah, yes. You've got this exactly. within this. Yeah, exactly. that's super cool. Yeah, and, and that's exactly how you would do it, right? You take the original, you play the original, and then in the mix, you bring the song in that was sampled from that original. And then they might be, well, there's usually more than one that's been that sampled one James Brown song. So you can go from the original song and then go into like two, three hip hop songs. Yeah. And, and even some, some others, I believe there's a Madonna song that sampled the funky drummer. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you've been doing this, you know, James Brown tribute for a while now when people come to the flat on Christmas Day, and I guess it's in the evening, right? Because it starts yeah. at 8 o'clock. Yes. So how many people are there just because it's a bar that's open on Christmas Day and they like looked on their phone, they're like, oh, the flat's open Christmas Day, let's go there, versus like people seeking out this particular event? I, I want to put it at 90%. Really? 90% of people know the party and, and have been waiting. You know, I mean, this year it's COVID, right? So mm-hmm. we, we don't know. We haven't really pushed it that hard. I just 
rolled out the posters this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just started posting this weekend. We, we want to be careful. Yeah, uh, It is a party that needs to happen inside, so we'll, we'll have to enforce uh, mask wearing. We do have speakers outside, and so, I mean, we could start a dance party outside. If Hell yeah. Need be. Uh, <laughs> um, so we want to be responsible and want to be safe, you know? And, and so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how it works out this year. Any special drinks? Any? Um, is there a James Brown themed beverage, a Mr. Dynamite cocktail? You know, we we should come up with a title like that, but we have been, uh, we're actually uh, supported by Absolute for that night and Glenn Livet as well. Love Caribbean it. Reserve, yeah, yeah. And so we will be making some cocktails with that, but we we also have some features that are on the menu that we'll be pushing that night that involve uh, the Caribbean Reserve, Glenn Livet. I'm Caribbean. And so that's why there's Caribbean flavor here. Yeah. Uh, that's why we feature a lot of rums as well. Um, and so it's a it's a perfect fit to have Caribbean Reserve. Yeah. So that's 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 gonna be the the night. Um, Starts at eight, and when does it go till? Uh, it goes till till two. Two. Yeah. 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 Just Hell a full yeah. night. Full night. And um, you were asking earlier, you know, how do we structure it? I'll, I'll play some some maybe a little bit more obscure stuff like um james did an album with oliver nelson and if if anybody knows who, who that is if they don't i'll just explain it oliver nelson the oliver nelson orchestra it was just a big band orchestra um prevalent in like the 50s 60s and so they do these versions of james brown hits from the 60s in full band form right like papa's got a brand new bag in like full brass and when you play those they're fun like people yeah people hit the dance floor i've seen older couples like you know do whatever that dances are (laughs) yeah uh, in in their head from this 50s or 60s Um, you got agnes doing the swing dance or whatever (laughs) there you go there you go i couldn't name them because i wasn't Mm -hmm. there but (laughs) yeah and and so playing those in in the beginning and then kind of ramping things up getting funkier and then showcasing those derivatives as well because that gets people going too yeah you know um if you can throw in a public enemy track that gets you know super energy flowing hell yeah um, then people hit the dance floor of course right is there anything else people should know about christmas at the flat or about christmas for you like anything else you want to let people know in the episode um uh, or about the flat in general yeah like any- yeah, yeah well so we've got a workspace coming we've got a coffee shop coming the bar will still be here mm-hmm. um we plan to open at 7 a.m. Wow. Uh, sometime in early 2021. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just a necessary, um, it's just something necessary post-COVID, right? We we all had our wake-up call when, when COVID hit. You know, we were shut down. Um, we eventually were afforded a food and beverage license. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we could open up. Um, that has been able to sustain us because uh, we were able to stay open or, or at least be open from August on. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I need to be able to like, you know, expand. You got to generate ne- yeah. that revenue. Yeah. I've got to expand the hours mm-hmm. um, and, and generate, yeah, alternative. Well, revenue. you know, what's crazy to me is that when I think about the flat, right, like what immediately comes to my mind is live music. Yeah. Like that's 
such a defining characteristic of this place, right? And I think all of us are wondering how live music is going to function. We've been extremely fortunate. I I just want to thank everyone who's been like loyal supporters of the flat. Um, There's there's one word that that comes to people's mind unsolicited like i don't plant the word in their mind i don't mention it and i hear it over and over and that's the word vibe people come in and go wow it's a vibe it's a vibe and and i'm like am i subliminally like did i just hypnotize this person to say that because i've been using that word you know all throughout this process yeah and so so that's it's a hard thing thing. to create is like a, a, a very specific vibe like yeah it's like creating a culture it's like anything else yeah. like it's a very challenging thing to do what are your top three james brown songs you already said hot right yeah but what are the other two you know um the funky drummer um which which was a a song that was not released on any album specifically until later yeah uh, when they did a, a compilation of like b-sides mm-hmm. so, so that's another one um and you know the, the the payback is 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 another one. Give me a deep um, cut. Give me give me one like that people have never heard before. <laughs> that not mainstream shit. Um, give, me, give me one of those. So so I'm I'm visual when I look at these records, right? And mm-hmm. and I look at where the cut is on the record. But there's a there's a cut that was sampled by Das Effects. Uh, there's also one sampled by Brand Nubian, and I, I wouldn't be able to think of a title of it. Um, we'll add it in the post notes. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Cool, man. I really appreciate yeah, this. Of course. Listeners, if you're hearing this, check out The Flat on Christmas Day on the 25th, starting at 8 o'clock till 2 a.m. Awesome. Right. That's right. Thank Great. you. Thank you so much. I Thanks appreciate so much. it. Cool. That is our episode. Thank you so much for listening. To everyone that we had check out all of these restaurants all of these bars support them you know we just got that covid relief package passed like david buer mentioned but there's more that needs to be done to support all of these businesses um and this is the time of the year when they need it most like marcus said like michelle said like everyone else said tip your staff well and subscribe to buy the glass wherever you stream your audio content and we'll see you next week by the way before i forget That last song that DJ Sun was thinking of, Blind Man Can't See It.